Welcome to Highlands Church Audio Sermons. Today, March 6th, 2022, we continue our series titled Romans, Gospel for All Time. Today's sermon, Sin and the Believer, will be taught to us by Pastor Bob Wade out of Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23. But first, here's a quick recap of last week's sermon. This is the decision we have. If our life is an instrument, our life is a weapon, our life is a tool, whose hands are we placing our life into? Are we gonna continue lifting the reins and giving them back to our old master? Are we gonna let Jesus have the reins on our life? Church, may we present our lives, may we present our members into the hands of Christ to be used for something amazing. Why? Verse 14, for sin has no dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under law, but we are under grace. We're dead to sin. May we live our lives to the glory of God and the glory of God alone. Amen. The passage we're looking at this morning is the second part of Paul's argument about who we are in Christ and the battle that takes place with sin. Paul will talk about the fact, we'll look and see this morning, that whoever we give ourselves to, that's who we serve. That's who we're a slave to them. You know, two weeks ago, we began this look at chapter six here, and we talked about our new life in Christ, and we talked about being dead to sin. Thomas mentioned that even in the video there about being raised with Christ. But now, Paul is going to introduce a brand new metaphor to help us understand our position in Christ, one that every single person within the Roman world would understand, slavery. We'll get more into that in just a minute. According to Romans chapter six, we are either slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness, but we're not both. You know, this is a pretty common kind of thing to talk about. Jesus, in Matthew chapter six, verse 24, said, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and despise the other or you will forsake the one. So the question is, really the challenge before us is who are we going to serve? Who do we give ourselves to? Who or what will dominate our time and our decisions? Even as believers. So let's stop and let's read through the passage. Follow along as we read through verses 15 through 23 here. Paul writes and he says, what then? Are we to, to sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting from that time, from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." But now that you have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now the first thing that Paul's gonna tell us here is in verses 15 and 16, he's gonna tell us that grace is not a license to sin. Go back to verse 15 there, he says, what then, are we to sin because we are not under law? But grace, what he does here is he asks a question. The question is, because God has been gracious to us, the fact that we're not under law anymore, the fact that God's grace is is covering us, can't we just do what we want to do? And he answers that the same way he answered the same question almost back in verse one, and that is, by no means. And then he tells us why in verse 16. He says, being saved does not mean that you are free to serve two masters. Either you will be a slave to sin or a slave of the Lord, but you can't be either. You can't be slaves of both. This is basically what Jeff talked about a couple of weeks ago when he talked about the fact that, you know, when you and I come to faith in Christ, we leave being slaves of of, of Adam or sort of leave that, that realm of being of Adam and become of Christ. But you can't be both. That is the essential truth that Paul wants to get to here in verses 15 through 23. Now, Paul will use that term there, slavery. Contextually, slavery was a staple of the Roman culture. But if you know anything about the world at that point, the world at that point was dominated by if an army would come, they would take you over and they would defeat you in battle. Not only would they say that we won, but they'd take probably all your resources and they would take a good body of people back as slaves to their own country to serve them. It's pretty common. Happened all the time. In fact, Rome, we, we find, because historians tell us, was far more than 50% slaves. Now, if you think about it, that's just absolutely amazing. But what you realize is, if you take the city of Rome itself, and you had that many slaves in the city, you can understand why, historically, they literally had to have one whole Roman army that camped out right outside the gates of the city. The garrison of Rome stayed there because the people were afraid that the Roman slaves would rise up and revolt. You've probably all seen those shows like Spartacus and stuff where slave revolts happened. They would happen there all the time. And so when he uses the illustration of slavery, all the people got it. The whole world was dominated you know, with that sort of thing at that time. Now, just because Paul uses the example of slavery doesn't mean he thinks slavery is okay. Slavery in every human context is an evil thing. The fact that one person could think that they would own another is evil. Human trafficking is evil. By the way, those are not the only forms of slavery that we have even today. People experience different forms. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, some people even choose to fall into their own slavery a result of their, they're searching for self-gratification or some people will look for comfort. Some people will get involved in, they'll become slaves to certain vices like alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography. 
Others become slaves to media. I mean, they, they can't stay off of every social media that, that's out there. They've constantly got to be on it all the time. And people will tell them, man, you need to get off of that because they're telling you you're on too much. Others, it's video games. I mean, some people will go all night long. They're just playing and they can't stop themselves. You know, they get such a rush from it. And they're there the whole time. So they're, they're all into video. Others, it's their phones. It's not uncommon today to hear of people that are on their phone over 10 hours a day. Verse 16 here tells us that we're slaves to the one whom we obey. And we all obey somebody. You know, I remember when I was younger and you know, we'd go, we'd go to LA and if you went down to Santa Monica Beach and you wanted to go to Santa Monica Beach because it was the weirdest show in town, okay? Everybody wanted to go see it. So along the, you know, the boardwalk there in Santa Monica that, you know, there was this one guy that would walk there very often, almost every time I ever went there, he was there and he had this pizza board on. It was, a, you know, on the front and ropes tight and then another board back on the back and on the front of the pizza board, it said, I am a slave for Jesus, and then he would walk by you, and on the back, it would say, whose slave are you? That's a powerful truth. Because we're all slaves to somebody. That is exactly what Paul is getting here in Romans chapter six, that none of us are autonomous. You may think that you are the master of your own life, that you're not a slave to anybody. That's simply not true. You're deceiving yourself. We're either slaves to sin or slaves of Christ. But biblically, I want you to know that the call was going to be to choose. You know, to some people, the sound of that too sounds like a total bummer. So I, mean, I can either be a slave to sin or I can be a slave to Christ, but either way, I'm a slave, right? So it's just choose your poison. That's not what the Bible tells us. Chapter six here tells us very clearly that to be a slave of Christ is to live, is to grow, is to be more than you could ever be, but to be a slave of sin, according to verse 16, is to die. You know, the reason why this even comes up in the passage, the reason why I'm even talking about it here is because in the church there in Rome, there were two groups of people that were sort of having this major sort of influence on the body there, on the church. One group of people there would be a group called the legalists. The legalists were primarily people that had been Jewish, but then had come to believe in the Lord, and they were, now they were in the middle of the church, but they're having a hard time getting rid of the law. To them, it makes sense. You would surely, you got to keep the law, right? I mean, if you don't have a speed limit, isn't everybody going to drive, you know, 150 miles an hour all the time? you got to have the law. If we don't have the law, people are going to do anything they want and there'll be total sin everywhere. The problem with that is, is that Romans chapter three says, the law never made anybody righteous. The law only condemns you. And then there's this other group. Okay, here's your, your $5 word. Another group is called the antinomians. And the antinomians, they come along and they say, whoa, whoa, hang on a second here. God's forgiven us and we're saved by grace. He covers our sin, right? Yep, yep. Well, then let's do whatever we want. I can do whatever I want. I can get away with any possible thing there is. Now, Paul's response to that is by no means we're not free at all. 
Back in 1979, Bob Dylan wrote a song about Romans chapter six. I don't know if you knew that or not. It was on a, an album that basically describes his coming to faith in Jesus called Slow Train Running. And the song was called, You Gotta Serve Somebody. Let me give you some of the words here. He says, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You might like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yep. You're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil. It may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. It was interesting because not too long after he wrote that, John Lennon, the former Beatle, who didn't believe in, the, in God at all, didn't care anything about that conversation, he wrote a song called Serve Yourself. It's kind of fitting. You know what's so interesting is most people don't see themselves as serving anybody. They don't see themselves as slaves. I mean, and, and particularly even in our country, in America, you know, it's so interesting. We have this this sense about us, almost a pride about us that we are, are independent and that we're, you know, we have this sense of autonomy about us. And, and for many ways, that's a really a wonderful thing. I mean, people have worked hard and they weren't afraid to move west and take new ground. And, and there's all these great things that, that sort of came along. We fought wars and we, you know, we, we, we worked, you know, sought to do the right thing in so many other cases. And yet the truth is we don't realize that we're still serving somebody. The thought to many Americans, and I've had this happen to me, even in working with, with students at times, you say, you know, yeah, God is calling you to submit your life to him. And to them, it almost seems like a negative, like God is taking my freedom away. And yet, what Paul is telling us here in Romans chapter six is that's totally wrong. Before Christ, you were not free. You were slaves to sin. Trusting in Jesus will set me free from sin, but at the same time, it binds me to Christ. It pulls me into his family. He takes his Holy Spirit, puts it inside of me. But yes, he calls me to serve him. So many people just see that as substituting one master for another. That causes believers to you know, try to figure out a way to live in, in both realms. Why don't I take advantage of it and do everything I want to do? It's exactly the issue in every spiritual connotation all through history. You know, when Joshua became the leader of the children of Israel, following up after Moses, he had the same thing. They had just seen God do these amazing miracles. I mean, God led them by fire, opened up the Red Sea, fed them for 40 years. Every day they would go out and bread would be there for them, just amazingly. And then they go, they cross over the Jordan River. They go into the land of Palestine. God gives them victory after victory after victory. And yet he has to stop and tell them, look, the days of you serving these other gods and doing this other thing are gone. You need to choose you today who you are going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's not new. Truth is, it's the battle that every single one of us face every day. Will I do what God wants to do or will I submit myself to something else? 
Now, the second thing Paul's gonna tell us here in verses 17 through 19 is that salvation transforms our life. Go back to verse 17, he says, but thanks be to God that who you once were, though you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. That phrase there in verse 17, you who once, tells us that before our new birth spiritually, we were slaves to sin. Paul tells us that in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through three, he says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Translated, there was a time when every single one of us were dead spiritually. But then, when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, you experienced a spiritual new birth. And fittingly, with that spiritual new birth comes the ability to serve, to not have to do the things that we used to do, to not live that old way. In fact, if you look at, at verse 17, Paul will even describe this new birth. He tells us there that, it, first of all, it begins with God. He says, thanks be to God. And then he tells us that it happened when we were spiritually dead, you who were once. And then it describes that new, what that new life, that new birth brings. It brings an obedience from the heart. And he even mentions it, what they were taught. The, the apostles at that time would have been teaching Christ crucified. In other words, they were giving the gospel message so they knew the gospel. So he's writing to these people in Rome telling them, look, you gotta quit presenting your bodies to sin. Our new spiritual birth leads us to a brand new position in Christ. Verse 18 tells us that our new position is we're free in Christ. In fact, let me show you something. Go back to the beginning here, of, if you've got your Bible out to Romans 6, go back to the beginning of chapter 6 here. Just look at how many times he refers to this. Verse 2, he says we're dead to sin. Verses 3 through 5, he tells us that we've been baptized into Christ's death. Verse 6, he says the old self was crucified with Christ. Verse 7, we are free from sin. Verse 14, we're not under law but under grace. And now in verse 18, he will tell us you are free from sin. You have become slaves of righteousness. But that freedom does not give us carte blanche to continue in sin like the antinomians were teaching. It does not give us the ability to go, look, God loves me, God forgave me, he's covering me with sin so I can do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Go to verse 19. Paul here does two things in verse 19. He says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. In other words, he's telling them why he uses the human term like slavery because it's a word picture they can understand. But then he gives the only imperative here. An imperative is a command. He gives the only command in the whole, you know, the whole passage here. And he says, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness leading to sanctification. What's he mean? Well, really, here's what he means. He means it's, it's time for you and I as believers in Christ to stop and not just do what every single other person around us does 
but it's time we stop and we do some simple things like, be careful about what I read. What do I put into my mind? Be careful of who I listen to and the conversations even that I listen to. Watch what you, watch you, what you let on your TV. Be careful what you celebrate or what you approve of. Be careful of what you join into. If we're going to be a slave or a servant of the Lord, then we don't serve that which ends up being something that ends in lawlessness. We serve the one who gives life. The third thing he's going to tell us here is who our Lord is determines the fruit that we will produce. Look what he says here. Look at verse 20 and through 22. He says, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things for which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So he contrasts the fruits here of our slavery. He says, if you're a slave to sin, the fruit ultimately is shame and death. Verse 21, he tells us here that sin will bring a brokenness to life. There will be things you'll go, I'm ashamed of that. And a condemnation and a separation from God for all eternity. There's nothing good in that. There is no party in hell. You know, I, I've heard people say that before. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. I, I don't really care. I'm, all my friends are gonna go there and we'll just hang out together. It'll be a great party. No. It ends in shame and death. There'll be no party. Even if you and I believe If we don't obey the Lord, it's very easy for you to become a slave of whatever it is you give yourself to. It's possible to be a believer in Jesus Christ and struggle with selfishness. I mean, you live in a home, right? You've seen it. Or bitterness, or pride, or lust, or materialism, or worry, or fear, or approval. I mean, you ever thought about how this really works? I mean, you may say, look, I, man, I truly do love Jesus, but if you could look inside of me, you understand, boy, I need approval. I need approval so badly, I would do anything to get approval. Anything. Fudge numbers. Take a shortcut. Do something maybe I shouldn't do. It's that need for approval would bring a a feeling of inadequacy inside of me who God has made me to be and maybe it creates a jealousy because I'm jealous of the person that is constantly getting the attaboys and the the pat on the back and and the, the people that are approving of that person but they're not approving of me. Maybe there's a sense of self-pity. Well, you don't understand Maybe there's just a sense of anger. You're just anger at other people, or, you know, angry at the world because it just feels like it's done you wrong. Or maybe it's materialism. You know, you, again, you could, hey, I, I, you know, 
20 years ago, I asked Christ to come into my life, and I'm faithful in church, and I'm there all the time, but if we could look inside, realize that materialism becomes a, a bigger and bigger problem to the point that it begins to create envy inside of us for someone that has what we don't have. Or an insecurity like, well, I must not be as smart as this person or, or as good of a businessman or this or that because I don't have what they have. Drive begins to get inside of us to get more and more because those are the things that really matter because they hold the highest value. And ultimately, we miss out on who God wants us to be and what God wants for us in our lives. You know, I'm gonna ask the worship team if they'll come back and they'll join me. You know, anything you serve other than Jesus Christ, anything you give yourself to other than Jesus Christ will not deliver what you think it will deliver. It will deceive you, it will fail you, it will disappoint you. Slavery to sin does not lead to life, it leads to shame. On the other hand, being a slave of God is I keep growing. I, I can actually become who God intended for me to be. Sanctification produces the ultimate satisfaction. I mean, if you think about it just for a moment, there is nothing better possible, I mean, nothing better than for you to be, actually become who God intended for you to be. That's the best. I can finally live in a sense of satisfaction if I just become who God wants me to be. Not because I see someone else do this and that looks cool or this or over that, or this, you know, they get a lot of stuff. No, just focus in on who God has called you to be. You know how you can tell if that's at work in your life, if you're becoming that? Galatians 5 actually tells us there's, there's fruit you can spot about that. It looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And by the way, on top of that, verse 22 says, I get eternal life with Jesus forever. And then you get to verse 23. This is probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. A lot of people have this verse, you know, memorized. And, and, but maybe you didn't understand the context of where verse 23 comes from. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So let me ask you the question here, maybe you can pull it back into right context here. How many of you would say, I believe that Jesus is Lord? Would you raise your hand? Okay, you can put them down. Now you're gonna have to, I'm gonna ask you to forgive me here because I just manipulated you and I wanna tell you why. That word, Lord, there is the Greek word kurios. It means Master. So if you just said, yeah, I believe he's my master, guess what you're saying about you? I'm his slave. I'm gonna quit offering myself up to these things and serve them because they will end only in shame. Paul's call here is, look, dude, don't you understand? That type of a life does not end up well. It ends up with, with shame and death. But this one? Man, it's eternal life.
Let me give you a little quick test. If Jesus is the master of your life, I'd encourage you to look at your time. Look at what you give your time to. What part of that is the Lord's? What about your talents? We all have abilities. We all have the, the ability. And, and maybe you say, well, I'm not all that gifted. You know what? Gifted people tend to be the most wonderful servants of all because they come with humility. So regardless of what you, know, you think you have or don't have, are you giving it to the Lord? What about your treasure? Do you look at what God has entrusted to you to steward as his or yours? Who's the master? That's the call. In the midst of a church that was arguing over ridiculous things, should we just keep following the law? Can't we just do whatever we want to? Paul's simple call is, Jesus is the master. He's calling you to follow him. You won't be embarrassed by this like you would be by choosing these things. But instead, you'll grow and become who he, got, he wants you to be. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would move in the hearts and minds of all of us, Lord to honor you with everything that we say and do, all that has been entrusted with us, every decision we make, the time that you have given us, the resources you have given us, the people that you have put that are around us. Lord, we want to honor you. We want to become, too, God, who you intended for us to be. It was important enough for you to, to plan that out. It should be important enough, God, for us to want to fulfill that. So Lord, teach us to call upon you, to trust you, to walk the way you want us to walk, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, Jesus loves you enough to set you free. You don't have to sin anymore. You don't have to live like that. But I know there's a battle going on. There's always been a battle. The people of God have always been challenged about this battle. This is Joshua's words. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods of your fathers that they served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. For if it is evil in your, your eyes to, ser to, to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers that they served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm calling on you to declare in your life. That's the battle. He has set you free. Let's live like it. God bless you. Love you all.